0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Bill Mopshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YPSport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. YorkshirePost.co.uk Right, uh, this week we saw Hull City claim an important 1-0 victory over Sunderland in their pursuit for the playoffs. Uh, Huddersfield Town shared the points in their 1-0 draw with Blackburn Rovers. Sheffield Wednesday fell to a 2-1 defeat when they welcomed Coventry City. Barnsley saw their game against Stevenage called off due to a frozen pitch, which is the same fate that befell uh, Bradford City and their game against Doncaster Rovers, as well as Harrogate Town's fixture with Grimsby Town. However, let's start this week at the Riverside Stadium, where Middlesbrough had to settle for a point when they welcomed Rotherham United. This put Michael Carrick's men at just three points off the playoff spots, while the Millers are eight points uh, off safety at the bottom of the table. Um, this was then followed up by their visit to Chelsea in the EFL Cup semi-final, which saw them exit the competition thanks to a 6-1 six, six, defeat on the night. Now, what did you make of the games and where do both Middlesbrough and Rotherham go uh, from here based on the performance that they had against each other, Stuart?
1: Um well I was at the um I was at the league game, uh Leon was at the League Cup game. So I'll 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 speak about the uh about the league game first. I mean it was a it was um it was a really good sort of um typical Rotherham performance uh, at the Riverside in terms of them them doing the things they do best, um, really 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 digging in and you know, grinding out uh, a result. Um they were a bit um, disappointed that they conceded a goal so late on, uh, 82 minutes in. Um, in fairness, it was it was probably it was probably well it was deserved in terms of uh, how much of the game Middlesbrough had. But um, Middlesbrough just lacked that that ruthless edge, really, and say that you know we know what a good footballing team they are, and you know they played some they played some nice stuff in the first half, in particular. Uh, Marcus Force came on from midway through the first half and and really uh, raised the standards even uh, in that respect. He he certainly deserves to score a goal, but it yeah it was it was a good it was a good morale boost for for Rotherham because we we've been talking a lot this season and in previous seasons about how Rotherham struggled to transfer their home form away from home. There are signs that Liam Richardson is just getting to grips with that and they're, they're bringing some of that uh, durability um, away from home, which is obviously going to be massively important if, if they're going to stay in the division. The caveat, I guess, is what we were saying about them and Huddersfield last week, that, you know, battling draws are all well and good, but the position they're in, they, they need to start picking up wins. So it certainly, it certainly didn't Solve any of the problems. It was just just a bit of a cause for 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 optimism. I I think from from Middlesbrough, it was kind of an indication of the good and the the good and the bad there. You know the 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 reason they're sort of on the fringes of the playoff picture and the reason they're not right in it. You know, showing the sort of form they they were last year. Plenty of extenuating circumstances when Middlesbrough. We talked before about all the injuries we've had, but you know ultimately. On that day, you know, regardless of the the people who weren't playing, the people who were made enough chances, had enough of the ball to put that game to bed, and that really, that cutting edge is is what they need to find in the in the in the transfer market in the in the last few last few days of it. From a rather perspective, um, I think it's just about um, about finding a bit more a bit more quality really because. I say the 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 you know the gutsy, the unglamorous elements of the game they've got, uh, and they scored a lovely goal through through Kafu, um, but that was kind of a a pretty isolated moment. They need they need more of that sort of um, match winning quality um, if they're going to pull away, and and it's going to be very very hard to hard to find on the on the budget they're working with, unfortunately.
2: They're just at the position at the minute where. They're just chipping away, Rotherham, aren't they, really? And, uh, yeah. They're obviously, uh, Liam Richards has made no bones about it. I think he's at the start of the win with, you know, ideally want four or five in, but, you know, not for the first time, not not under the first manager at Rotherham. They're just having to wait for the for the dominoes t- to drop, aren't they? You now, in terms of um, the Carragher, c- caliber of players that want to, fortunately they're a little bit down the food chain. They're having, they're having to sort of wait Wait until you know there's clarity at other clubs. There's there's other things as well. There's, there's things like the African Cup of Nations. That's and the competition in Asia which is you know it's sort of preventing clubs from making you know some early decisions about players. And yeah, rather are just having to hang in there and wait until hopefully a couple of dominoes drop for them maybe in the final week of the window. So I think in the meantime they're just having to on the pitch just do what they can, just just eke out results and. And uh, you know, maybe hope that some results um in terms of the rivals go for them, which which to be fair they have done a, a little bit, haven't they? I mean, it's a Sheffield Wednesday losing at home, um uh, and, and I think lost the last two now, haven't they? That's that's good from a Rotherham perspective. You know, Huddersfield uh you know they they draw in a lot of games but they're not sort of um, you know, winning and, and pulling away. So they're just about still in the in the game, uh, Rotherham, you know, it's, it's uh, they've had a little bit of an Indian sign over Middlesbrough, haven't they? They obviously beat them on um, Boxing Day, and um, I think I, I think they're unbeaten in about three, I think, well, I think it must be the last three visits to the Riverside as well. They had a, a rough record in Middlesbrough as well before that. So, um, yeah, it was a morale-boosting point from their perspective. Or Although they were sort of tantalisingly close to sort of, it was it 82 minutes ending that um, that long, long, long run without a, an away win. But I, I think in terms of uh, Middlesbrough, obviously Stuart was at the, at the game. I, I saw that, yeah, I agree with everything and what he says about you know, that lack of roof. As they, they sometimes float like a butterfly and, and sting like one a, a little bit. But, you have know, if they do sort of just miss out on the playoffs, which I think if you were a better man, you probably would say that. But, um, I mean, who knows? I mean, the championship can be unpredictable. But they do look a little bit Short, unless they sort of address bringing in a maybe a strike or two before the end of the the window. Although they, they could lose, one I in mean, Morgan Rogers. But you look at the record against teams in the um, at the bottom of the table, and they've obviously got one point against Rotherham. They lost at home to uh, QPR. They um, they drew at Sheffield Wednesday. So it's it's not been the sort of best, really. And uh, I, I just wonder if that could you know, hamper them and um, be, you know, course for a bit of a bit of recriminations, where, you know, when the season does it, does end it. and if they did finish, you know, nine attempts
1: something like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we all know you get a lot of freak results in the Championship, but that that result, that performance from both sides just felt like a good in- indication of where those sides are at the moment in terms of the, their their strengths and their weaknesses. And, and probably, you know, the, the two legs of the... Um, the League Cup semi-final I mean, sort of showed that for from from Middlesbrough in that they you know they they're good enough on the, on a on a good day to beat even a side of uh, yeah. of Chelsea's quality, but also yeah. they have that sort of um, self-destructive uh, yeah. streak that if they're not quite on That's it, true. you know yeah. they can they yeah. can really pay for it. I mean yeah. you know even in the even in the Rotherham game, uh, I think it was about eight minutes in, Jordan Hugel very nearly caught them out uh, overplaying, just curled a shot wide, and obviously we saw. Countless
2: yeah. examples of that um, at Stamford Bridge, where Leon was. Yeah, it was it was so night, Stuart, Stuart, wasn't it? I mean, um, he's had a lot of praise, and I think rightly so, in his time at Middlesbrough. Michael Carrick, but um, they do they do take risks in playing out um, from the back, and with with respect, I think they can you can get away with it more against you know teams in the Championship. But when you um you know when you go into you know a team like like Chelsea, okay, they've they've got a few names out, but you, I mean the side that took the field was still worth, I think, five hundred million. They've still got bags of bags of quality, and I, I think even the warning should have arrived in in the first leg. Like, Middlesbrough won that. Chelsea did still miss quite a few chances. Cole Palmer, in particular, you know, Middlesbrough just overdoing it, playing out on the back. And I don't know about you, Stuart. I was surprised with the. It's easy to say in hindsight, but I was actually surprised with the setup of the team in the Mm. the second leg. It was almost it was a side you'd expect in in a a, you know a league game almost. You know the the sort of four two three one. Um, In the first leg um, on T side, they played five at the back, um, two wing backs, and, and three in the middle, and you know blocked off some of the. Uh, passing lanes for, for Chelsea. I mean, it was a, it was obviously a blow for them with Isaiah Jones not being, not being available. He, he obviously picked up as an injury against Rotherham. You know, they, they missed, um, you know, his sort of pace on the break and, and artistry. But I just thought it was really, you know, naive in, in the way, in, in, the, in the way they set up and, and the way they tried to sort of take on, um, Chelsea in a, in a footballing match. I mean, they've shown a few examples this season of being pragmatic. They beat Leicester at home. They sort of surrendered a lot of possession and sort of dropped off and sort of stopped, you know, as I said, sort of st- stopped, the sort of passing lanes for Leicester. They did that. The, the, the setup was a, obviously a little bit more, um, a lot more really, a lot more solid in, in the first leg against, against Chelsea as well. And, uh, yeah, some of the, some of the goals were just, um, Horrendous, really. Especially, I mean, obviously the second one with Johnny Houseman didn't track his runner. Um, you could see all night that Engel was, you know, he had a tough night, but he was struggling against Sterling. He, he, but he had very little um, help from what I, from what I saw. The um, obviously the, the third and fourth goal. The third one, you know, Matt Clark trying to play play the ball into a dangerous position. Um, the fourth one you know, the goalkeeper passing it to, to Barlasser and um, Hackney were overplaying in the wrong area and they just fell into traps um, in in that first half continually and, the, and you know, the game was, was over. You just, you know, they've had a lot of players for the, for the style that they can play and, um, you know, it, it can work sometimes of playing out of the back but I, I just think a bit more of a, a bit more of a, a plan B sometimes mixing it up a little bit and, you know, it brings me on to the forwards as well. I mean, they they just um they really do seem to lack a lack a bit of a big bit of a presence up, up top for me. They obviously la Lato was was injured. Coburn's still young and, and developing. But um yeah, I think in the sort of final end of the market that'd be something that you'd ideally want them to address. And probably need a forward it to anyway, if Morgan Rogers ends up going to um, to Aston Villa which he which he seems to be um Seems to be keen on, so yeah. I mean, it was as much. There's a lot of talk. I don't know what you'll Stuart, but Everyone's saying, "Well, the gap's widening between the Championship and the Premier League." But I actually think that the result had a had more to do with Middlesbrough's uh, Middlesbrough's failings. Really, you know, it was it was naive, and at times some of the some of the play was just kind of, kind of amateur,
1: yeah, I, ju- I just think, I mean, let's be honest with you, you, you know, you draw Chelsea in a League Cup semi-final as a championship club, you don't expect to win. But, you know, we've talked before about taking no. something out of games you don't win. They need to learn from this. They really do need to learn yeah. from this. They, you know, just... we, we, we've seen it a lot this season across the board. I mean, Hull are probably the... the Biggest culprits, you know, along with Middlesbrough and Yorkshire in terms of of being caught out overplaying, you know, Brighton are, are probably the standard bearers in the Premier League. There seem to be so many, so many goals given away that that way, and I just think there comes a time, you know, in a game like Middlesbrough's on on uh, Tuesday, where you just have to have that humility and say, you know, twenty thirty minutes in, look, this isn't working. We need to we need to just play it safe, even just to get to half time. And, and and I feel like sometimes some of the some of the new breed of managers are just really stubborn in that way. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of the older breed of managers are stubborn in different ways as well. But yeah, there just seems to be a stubbornness that this is the way we play, and we'll do it come hell or high water. And you know, I, I'll take the blame as manager, and and it will it will benefit us more often than not. And you know, there's there's some I guess there's some good principles in there, but all all the time with all of these principles. You know you have to be pragmatic as to the circumstances on the day, and when and when you're facing that early onslaught from from Chelsea, and you've made a few of those mistakes, it's just a time to say, look, we we just need to shut things down a bit. You know, even even in terms of this this, this role Johnny Hausen had, where he was sort of part midfielder, part centre back, it just needed them to say, look, we'll we'll, we'll just stick with three centre backs for the rest of the half. You know, whether it be housing or or, or some sort of rejig, we, we just, you know, don't don't worry about the midfield part of the job. We'll just we'll just try and lock things down until half-time and have a bit bit of a rethink. And I, I say I, th- I think sometimes coaches get a bit caught up in in just trying to do things, you know, quotes the right way and all that sort of thing. And, and sometimes you, you just have to be more more aware of the circumstances on the ground, the circumstances in the stadium because. You know, I think the big job for Middlesbrough, if you looked at it before kickoff, was to go there and to frustrate the hell out of Stamford Bridge, yeah. so that it played in your favour. You know, the the way Chelsea started, it obviously had the the absolute opposite effect in terms of getting the ground. Which se- certainly seemed, watching on the TV, it seemed like it was quite a noisy ground, but only in the Middlesbrough end. Um, it, you know, it seemed as though it, it 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 got that crowd, you know, into the game and, uh, and more supportive when it. It could have been Middlesbrough's biggest weapon. It actually, you know, failed to be one. So I, I just think it's a, it's it's a game management and it's a humility thing at times. And and I hope I hope Middlesbrough and and Carrick learn that lesson. And that's not to say never play out from the back. Just you know, real, realizing when today's a day to do it or this circumstance is the time Absolutely. to do it, and, and this isn't. Yeah, I
2: totally agree. I mean, there is. A- I, I think there's a lot to be said from and there's some good merits about uh, passing out from the back, but you've just got a in a two legged tie against a, a you know, a top side from the division above, you've just really got to respect your opponent, haven't you? And um I think he had options there to play fire at the back. He could have. I actually think Vandenberg he, he's better as a would have been better in a three with obviously um wing backs either side, he could have played Dykes deal as 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 the wing back. Paddy McNair was an option as well, so um, yeah. In terms of, of the options and and the tactics he had, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a good night for Michael Carrick. But you know, as Stuart's right to say is he's, he's still a young coach, learning his craft, and um, you know he's a he's a he, he thinks a lot about the game. He, he's conscientious, and you know, I think you know, hopefully it can be a good a good lesson lesson for him because um, I think. You know, young managers. Uh, you know, remember that I should remember the, the bad nights as as much as the good nights in terms of the the revolution. And um, Carrick certainly won't forget. Um, Tuesday night in a hurry. Obviously, his playing career, with decorated career, and he didn't have too many nights like that in the in the colours of Manchester United. So um, yeah, um, he, he spoke well. Well, afterwards, and, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't throw, throw any players under the bus, which I, which I liked. And he, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll learn the lessons of, you know, on occasions. And Middlesbrough are by no means the finished article that's playing out from the back. You just got to be pragmatic, haven't you? And, and respect the tie. And I, I think the only way Middlesbrough were going to get through was to, would have been to nick it or perhaps take it to penalties. But, uh, that if they had
0: gone through and they'd end up playing Liverpool in the final and played like that, it could have been probably double. They couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next, our attention turned to Leeds United, who, thanks to a Joel Pirro uh, extra time penalty, were able to claim all three points in their 2 1 victory when they welcomed Preston North End, which was then followed by a 1 0 victory when they welcomed Norwich City uh, to Ellen Road. Thanks to that result, the Whites have now uh, won five consecutive matches at the start of a calendar year for the first time in the club's history. Um, what were your thoughts on the two performances, and how positive uh, will the will the team be feeling at the moment, Leon?
2: I think very um, positive. Obviously, myself and, and Stuart have, have both done a a game each th- this week, and um, yeah they're just grinding it out and for me they're doing what, what you have to do. I mean they obviously much a lot of the talk at the minute has been one of the talk has been, you know, Leicester, Ipswich, Southampton who were on an absolutely fantastic run. I, I quite like Leeds, just a little bit of uh, away in the in the in the shadows, chipping away. And uh, doing what they had to do. They it was a difficult game on on Sunday against um, Preston, who uh, obviously beat them in the reverse fixture at um, at, at Deepdale over Christmas, They were especially in the second half, there were the players were going down at regular opportunities. It was niggly, you know. It, it was you know good game management, for a, a team coming to Ellen Road, if you they were doing everything to try and you know stymie leads as um, uh, rhythm. But yeah, they they kept persisting leads, conceded, you know, came back well after conceding a Goal inside the first sixty-five seconds—a sloppy goal as well by, by Leeds standards. You know, hit back straight away like they did in the in the home games with Swansea and and uh, and Middlesbrough. and uh, Dan James into double figures for the season, and I think that's worth, worthy of comment. You know, a winger uh, to do that—you um, know, pretty impressive. And but yeah, it was turning out to be one of those frustrating games for Leeds. That the, their home records, you know, outstanding, not been beaten this season. But you know the way that it's going with the other teams, we're just churning out results. You know, you know, a draw is two points dropped, isn't it? You know, we they did that against Coventry um, last month. But yeah, they, they found found a way. It was it, it was a penalty. I mean, was, if you if you're neutral, you felt you felt for the lad a little bit. But he, you know, he did make a movement to his arm towards the ball, and um, yeah, great moment for, for Joe Perelli. It's funny, I, I saw a tweet about halfway. I'm not taking anybody credit for anything but it was I just thought to myself that it might be he was warming up might be time to throw him on it might be sort of day in it and it and it was and you know if anyone needed a, a boost it was probably him really because he's found himself out the side a very coolly taken penalty and uh obviously Stuart did the game on um, against Norwich and another one where they did did what they had to do and you know what I like about them is you know, it, it, I think I put it in a piece of the day. You know, in the second, in the second half, they've been sort of really strong defensively. I mean, they've only conceded four at Ellen Road this season, and um, I think their overall record in the division is the best as well. And conceded ten. You know, that smacks of you know organization, hard work on the on the training ground, some really good pros in there, and, and spirit to to manage manage games and and see them out. Um, We've spoken before about, um, Joe Roder. I think he's, you know, arguably one of the championship defenders of, of the season and what a player he's been for Leeds. And, uh, yeah, reassuringly consistent in that regard. Um, Leeds and they're, they're in a, they're in a nice position, just, just tucked away. I think the interesting thing would be Southampton are on a fantastic run, but it's, it's not going to last forever. They're going to have a little, little stumble. It'd be interesting to see. How they react Ipswich have had one, and to be fair, to Ipswich they're in a a bit of a period where they seem to be grinding it out as well, which is which is all power to them. So yeah, a long way to go. But Leeds have just got to uh, carry on as they're doing, and I'm I'm sure Daniel Fox will be delighted about the last two games.
1: Yeah, and one thing Daniel Farker constantly gets asked about, and and I really don't think he likes being asked about, is the league position. You know, does it matter that you're yeah. not in the yeah. place? places? Blah, blah blah de blah. You know, and he, and he's constantly and quite rightly bats it away. I don't care about the league table in, in certain name of month here. Um, no. I'm only bothered about it in May, and, and and it's all common sense and and so on and so forth. But uh, the way the fixtures are falling. Um, with, with these playing on Friday night against uh, Bristol City next week, it does give them an opportunity to get into the top two. Albeit they'll have played uh, a couple more games in Southampton and Ipswich, and just apply that little bit more pressure to those clubs and see see what they're made of. And when it w- when you talk about the pressure, I think that's you know a lot of the things that Leon talked about with regards to the, to the Preston game. or what stood out for me in the Norwich game as well that. That calmness, that game management about them. I mean, the, 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 there were there were times when the crowd got frustrated because Leeds weren't really forcing the issue, um, and and I I totally understood that at the, at, at the time. But um, the flip side of it is that they were they never really felt under under much pressure. I mean, Norwich missed a very good chance at the end of the first half just to make it one one. But that apart you know in the second half particularly the first sort of 20 minutes of the first uh, the, the second half norwich had all of the ball but very little to show for it leeds just allowed them to play in front of them uh didn't really get in the faces as the fans yeah. wanted them to it must be said but equally didn't have anything for Amelia to do and and they sort of came seemed, seemed to come a point sort of midway through the half where they realised now's now's the time to step up to get more in their faces, and whilst Norwich still probably had more of the ball for the rest of the half, Leeds suddenly really looked extremely dangerous on, on the on the counter attack and really should have scored uh, a, a few more goals. So it was it was a good good indication of the the qualities that that Daniel Farker brings to that football club in terms of not getting too carried away, positively or, or negatively doing doing the necessary, understanding what's needed and just doing it. And I say to, you know, to, it's, it sounds by all accounts, but the way they won the the Presta game was, was similar in that respect. And their, their, you know, their patience and their sort of common sense took right until the very last minute to pay off, but, but did pay off. And you, you do feel if it, if it does well, when it gets a bit nip and tuck in that title race uh, or promotion race, I should say, um, you do feel as though Leeds won't panic. Um, no. we, we wait. We wait to see about some of the other clubs. Uh, it, it may be that they're they're just as cool cool headed, but we haven't really had it tested out uh, yet. And from a Leeds perspective, it would be uh, obviously nice for them to beat Bristol City and just test test the chin chin of Southampton and Ipswich in that respect. Um, who knows how who knows how they'll respond? But I say, I think we can be pretty confident about Leeds will. Yeah, I think in terms of
2: Farquhar as well, he's obviously you know the league, league positions uh, speaks for itself. It's pretty good. You know the fact when he came in into the summer, he's, you know, he's built, he's had to rebuild a culture of Leeds, hasn't he? other you know, they've lost, yeah, lost away big time. He's done that. He's got a, he's created a an organisation, not just that a unity and a, and a togetherness there in a pretty short space of time, which is you know all, all power to him. Um, yeah, I mean I don't know what. What you think? Stuart I mean they go on about the you know, looking at tables, the tables this and that. I remember one manager. I think it might have even been Tony Moby a few years ago, and it's something that chime with me. The managers don't look at you know, um, you know, league tables until the last ten games, especially if you go into the sort of promotion top six, and I, I think that's when things all all heat up. I mean have Steve Bruce when he used to talk about the daffodils coming out—that that sort of thing—and I, I think Farker will know from his past experience as well with with Norwich. You know, it's the last, you know, ten games, maybe twelve games, when it really starts to to matter. And you know, he'll just be wanting Leeds to just be in that um, a position where they're able to to strike. Then, and um, I, I still think he might do something in the, in the window. I don't know what you think. Sure. He's keeping his cards very close to his to his chest and. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if, um, if things happen before, you know, the go to the, the go to Bristol City, and that that might make a nice psychological boost in his, in itself. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that.
1: Happens. Yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world he definitely will do. I mean, you know, you look at the you look at the right back options in particular. You know, now that uh, now that Luke Ayling's moved on and Jed, Jed spencer has come back, they are they are short there. But um, I say. F- Feeding into what we said before, you you get the impression that in within the club, not not without, but within the club, there won't be any panic and any drama if they don't get what they what they feel they need. And that I say again, that's a big skill because you know at, at, at a club with Leeds with the following, it's got there can be a lot of panic about oh you know um, we we desperately need this, we're desperately short of that, and so on and f- so forth. But Farquhar is good. very much. Uh, yeah, Fark is very much of a, look. This is what I've got. I'm going to I'm going to deal with it. You know, in a, in an ideal world, he would have got a left back in August. Um, but he sort of came to the realization during August that look, this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. We, you know, we've seen other managers go down the opposite route, where they moan and moan and moan to try and force their. Their, their chairman to get the checkbook out and, and we've seen it work and we've seen it not work sort of thing but, but Farquhar is very very much of the opposite um, mentality where if if I do make a big deal of this then it will it will filter through if we if we don't get what I'm looking for and it it will become a drama I mean you look at Leeds' team last night and there were lots of lots of things within that team that. And it was an unchanged team, so it was the same one that that Leon saw that you wouldn't have anticipated at the start of the season. You know, if you'd said at the start of the season that axis, midfield axis between Ampadu and Archie Gray would be would be broken up by choice, you'd be saying, "Oh, well, that's crazy." You know, that that, that wouldn't work. And if you, you you know you'd be saying, "Well, one of your best midfielders, Gray, will be playing at fullback," you'd be worried about that. And, and there's quite a few things that you you wouldn't really have anticipated the team evolving in that way. But Farkas just allowed things to happen naturally, and and you know almost perhaps at times stumbled across solutions that maybe he wasn't even expecting to, to find. You know the fact that Willie Nonto can't can't get in, into the team, you know perhaps falls into a into a a, a similar category. But there's no there's no sort of panicking and, and wailing about what's not happening. It's it's all about well let's find let's find the best solution. And now all of a sudden you look at Ethan Ampadu and you. You're really happy to see him at centre back, you know. Same with Archie Gray at right back. Same with with Gray and uh, sorry with Kamara and up as a as a midfield partnership. You know, Patrick Bamford him up front. It's all sort of slotted into place, and it'll change again. I'm sure, you know, Joel Perot will have a, a a second wind, and, and other players will, will surprise us. But there's just a there's just a sereneness about Farker, which yeah. I, I think should really serve them well.
2: Yeah, there's an intelligence isn't there, about about what he's doing, what he's doing, and you spot him to say that's you. I mean, it, it, he's he's brought Grua into the into central midfield. He's uh, he, he's sort of a, a, a real sort of understated uh, figure at the minute, and you know gets his work done and you know tireless performances. You know, there was a time when obviously Parker had in mind to went to use him. He'd been on the bench a lot in the first half of the year season sorry now he's thought that right, this is the time to, to let him have a run he's he's managed um, Bamford well in that regard he, he, perfect timing to give him the chance at the start of the new year after things have just tailed off for per, per Perot Perot will, I'm sure he'll as you rightly say Stuart he'll get back in in the in the running you know that intelligence in terms of having a look at Amford uh, at the back and uh, yeah this is a manager who knows what he's doing at this level I think that's the that's the bottom uh, bottom line and you know I like the fact you know just on a, when he's talking about adding new bodies talking about quality but also talking about you know getting having the right mentality personality to fit into the group I think um I think that's uh, all power to him as well and um, you know, he, he he's, he's he's wanting to sign you know people who add something to the to the group with the the character as well which i I, I think is tremendous. And uh, yeah, I
0: think Leeds, Leeds are in good hands under that part. Yeah. yeah. And our next stop is Bramall Lane, where Sheffield United were able to snatch a point from West Ham thanks to Ollie McBurney's 103rd minute penalty in a game which had late drama at both ends of the pitch, and it also saw Rhian Brewster sent off for a high and late tackle late into the second half. Now, despite this point, the Blades remain rooted at the foot of the table and seven points off safety. Now... Can Chris Wilder's side be proud of their performance, and how do they approach their their game against Crystal Palace, Stuart?
1: Yes, they can be proud of their performance. You know they they're showing they're showing character, which you know Wilder will always say is, is the bare minimum. But we you don't have to think back too far this season to the games where it wasn't there. So it, it that that is important. You know they they were they were lucky in the manner of the penalty, but they certainly deserved. The results over the um, over the, the the course of the game uh, in, ter- in terms of Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace are vulnerable at the moment. You know, we've I think a lot of us saw the saw the banners at Selhurst Park the other day. There's unhappiness uh, at, at the the direction of the club. You know, they're they're in a they're in a poor run of form. They've got the makings of a team that can be that could be dragged into that uh, into that battle. And and for Sheffield United's uh, perspective, as for Luton and Burnley, it's just about dragging as many teams in as possible. And again, like I've just said with Leeds, just just testing out their their characters. I mean, in terms of the Premier League, of course, it's not just down to the football. It might be down to the independent commissions deciding about points deductions and things. But the the more teams they can they can drag into it, the the more hope they've got. I mean, from their from their perspective, of course, first of all. Uh, there's a there's an FA Cup tie against Brighton and that's an that's an opportunity in itself. We've seen how erratic Brighton have been at times in terms of their their team selections. They try and juggle playing in in Europe for the first time. If they rest one too many players and take their eye off the ball, even though they're a, we know they're a very good team, it, you know if they come if they come to Bramall Lane, not 100 percent on it. I'm pretty sure Sheffield United will play a strong team. We saw what they did against Gillingham in the third round, so that there's no reason to think they will not against the Premier League team. Um, if Sheffield United can, can can get a win there, they're not going to win the FA Cup, but anything they can do to just build some positivity, and build some momentum, is clearly going to help. Because as I say, the character is there if things get tough. Uh, as I said with Rotherham earlier, the, the question mark really is whether they've got the... The, the quality uh, to to make that that character count, but you know, certainly the certainly that that first element is within their own hands, and they are looking after it right now, which is good to see.
2: Yeah, I, I... I agree with what Stuart said. I think there there has been sort of evolution and, and development there at Sheffield United since Chris Wilder's come back in. You know, he's 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 done some positive work as you we know, mentioned earlier with with Liam Richardson. It's just, just taking it now to the to that uh, next step I mean by all accounts it was more of a sort of traditional Sheffield United performance especially in the first half against um, I guess uh, against West Ham it was you know Trump quite aggressive and the fans were getting getting be, uh, behind it but you know you sort of look at their the sort of games coming up you know away from home especially they've got you know they've got Palace they've got to go to Luton, I think in, in February and then they've got got Wolves and Bournemouth a little bit further down the line. At, uh you know, I think any win in the in, in the Premier League when you're when you're down amongst the amongst the dead men is gold, isn't it? But away wins uh, you know, it just uh even more so really and you know if they can sort of you know, get a get a get a winner or two, you know, Luke the Palace and, and they are under pressure, Crystal Palace and in the Ireland of Pesha Palace Stuart's Stewart's right to say they obviously got hammered at um, at uh, Arsenal wasn't it last week. Um I think was it one winning about ten or eleven, something like that, maybe more. And he's gonna be under the pump, Roy Roy Hodgson, he's obviously experienced a lot in football, but you're not sure if he could survive not beating um Sheffield United at home on, on Tuesday. So if the thing, things aren't going well during during that game, there's gonna be um, a lot of pressure on those uh, home players and, you know, Sheffield United players have just got to be waiting to um waiting to pounce and um, sort of do something in that regard. But yeah, they've made made some decent strides under, under Chris Wilder. It's just about that, those sort of next steps as well. Obviously good to, to see um, Brayton Diaz get his um, get his goal as well against West Ham to get him off the mark.
1: Yeah, and, and a really good performance as well. It's worth saying from Andre Brooks. You know, yeah, um, regardless of what happens this season, that's going to serve them well in the in the longer term. It was really good to see him so confident on the ball, so willing, so brave to you know to take the ball in dif- difficult circumstances. And you know, there's a player there, and as Paul Heckingbottom always used to say, whether whether it, he'd be you know a leading Sheffield United player for the next five, six, seven, eight years, or they end up, you know, selling him for good money and reinvesting. I, either way, it's it, it's good news for Sheffield United, and we certainly hope, you know, as as a local lad who's shown that quality, it's it's the former, and he you know he does he does stay with that club for a long time. But that that was that was a really good thing to see. That the negative, which is something we touched on a lot, they're still giving away sloppy goals, and you know that's that ultimately. Is is possibly what cost them, you know, doing even better against West Ham. They really do need to need to knuckle down and 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 try and try and deal with that. But you know, we know they've we know they've got limitations uh, as a group. Um, it's 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 kind of inevitable when you're working with the sort of budgets they are. But it, it really is important that they they give everything they've 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 got. And at the moment, I think they can look themselves in the mirror and say they're doing that.
2: I think with Wilder as well quickly, it's, obviously it's the here and now. Everyone's hoping yeah. they can have a great escape, but he's gotta look he's gotta look at the bigger picture, hasn't he? You know, it's about yeah. next season. We've got some talented players there. We've mentioned Brooks, that you know, Asula's made his mark and you know part of it is it would be wild to have a look at them and see if he can trust them for, for next season. So it, it's you know, he's he's got a, it's a job on several levels there, isn't it? It's not just about you know, trying to stay up this season.
0: And as mentioned earlier, a number of lower league games were postponed due to frozen pitches. Some of them quite late as well. Um, Leon, you were fairly vocal on social media about it. Um, what were you? Oh uh, off the what, <laughs> what, what were you primarily unhappy about uh, when it came to that, um, Came to it? Well,
2: I think the thing I, I can't understand. I mean, it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. They had a was it a pitch inspection? I think it was it was eleven o'clock. And 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 then they sort of decided to have another one at uh, at uh, at one o'clock. Yeah, you know, it just it just, just seems to be all over the place. I mean, there were one or two get. Up. I think some games the previous night. It might have been it, it, it might have been something like Walsall. Uh, maybe Walsall something like that. Oh, it might have been some other team further south. I'm not entirely sure, but it was called off the sort of night before. And you know, it seems to be some clubs are sort of. Um, Thinking about sort of a way to um, support us, they've been freezing temperatures all week. We'll, um, it, you know, there's a good chance it's not going to be cut, we'll call it off early. But there just doesn't seem to be any sort of consistency in the, these announcements. And I, I just can't see how they, they make rule changes. The EFL, they announced them in the summer before the start of the new seasons. So why can't there sort of be some sort of a sliding scale in terms of? In terms of time, to so do with you know the distances that away fans travel, you know, I'd say what well, Peter um, Stephen to Barnsley would be something like, I don't know, three and a half hours. Um, if you factor in maybe another hour, if you know, if, if there's traffic, something like that, factor in the distance, and then maybe think, well, there has to be a decision on that on that um, particular game. If there's a pitch inspection, four and a half, four and a half hours, say. Before before kickoff, and if the pitch isn't if, if the pitch is not fit to play on, then then just call the game off. I mean, they could have in theory they could have called the game off. Say it, um, I don't know, half past nine, ten o'clock. It would have stopped a lot of the Barnsley um, supporters travelling, who a lot of them will have been travelling on the East Coast Main Line, and um, you know potentially enable them to to get. Um, travel reimbursement this that, you know, and the other and yeah you didn't feel for Barnes because it happened last year at Exeter as well there was a couple of pitch inspections and they had one at I think it was something something like 4.30 when there were supporters who were down there in the south West which was it must be a four or five hour drive from, um, from Barnes it certainly was and uh, yeah they just wasted the day I, I, I just think that the, the EFL I think it's it, it should be relatively straightforward to do if you sort of accommodate um you know traveled times and distances to uh to have some sort of sliding scale and you know when to make decisions when there's a pitch inspection i mean i don't, I don't know what you think Stuart, but i think that yeah i think that's a feasible way and you know the, the people with uh you know um more, brain, more brains than I have, I have in that regard can come up with something to to stop this situation happening because it's just happening time and time again and it's not just not just for Barnsley as well it's, it's a hell of a lot of other teams have experienced it as well I think, um, was it Altingham they had a game at, at, at um, Southend which was caught off something like 10 o'clock or
1: half past 10 and uh, it's just not good enough Yeah, I mean to me it's just about showing respect to the most important t- people in football, which, you know, people who pay the bills, the supporters, um, you know, sometimes you do get you, you every now and then, you you know, you get some sort of freak biblical downpour that nobody saw coming and you do have to make a decision late. But, you know, in, in terms of the in terms of Barnes's game at Stevenage, I think it was I think it was about half past two on the Friday that they, they, they announced there would be an 11 o'clock pitch inspection. You know, we all know what the weather was like last week. It was it was set in during the week. So it was nothing Yeah, nothing nothing took us nothing took us by surprise. I mean you know, Barnsley's game against Doncaster where obviously the the travelling was far uh you know, far more far less onerous uh for the away fans. I think the decision was made on, on that on half past half past one on the Friday. You know, and even talking to Graham Alexander the previous day, it was clear that they the groundsman was already thinking that that was, you know, things were going that way. And, you know, you don't like to see particularly weekend games, you know, called off too hastily and un- unnecessarily. So, yeah, perhaps had, I know they're not in the same division, but perhaps had Barnsley been playing, you know, Rotherham in the FA Cup or whatever, you, you, you might have given it a bit more time. But as Leon well, there's says... A, there's a distance, need, isn't
2: it? That's, that's the issue. Exactly. The between both That, that is it. Exactly. They called, they called off... Um, Harrogate against Grimsby. To Grimsby, I think, I think they called that off about was it about twelve o'clock something like that. Which, you know, it, it, there's a there's a shorter travel time between Grimsby and Harrogate, isn't there? You know, it's a, it's a bar, yeah. considerably shorter than than Steven to to Barber.
1: Yeah, as as Leon says, you just you just need to factor in where the away fans are coming from, and it's not difficult. I mean, you it shouldn't even need a a, a, a football league rule. You know, the officials themselves should be should be thinking that way independently. But uh, I say it clearly does need a rule because as Leon says, these things keep happening. And and to just to just factor in, I say, this ground is uh that far away from that ground, you need yeah. to you need to give X number of hours notice unless something unforeseen happens in, in in the meantime. As I say, it's just it's just respect for for supporters and there's there's too little of it shown. You know, we see it all the time with Games changed late for television and, and and really unnecessarily so and you know you just got to remember that ultimately without supporters there's there's no professional football because they 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 one way or another they pay for the thing um, so to just com- continue treating them with contempt like this is just it's just not on and it and it's really it's really unfortunate and regrettable that as Leon says. It's happened to Barnsley a, a, a couple of times, a couple of times now. You know, it would make you make you think twice about you know going to going to follow your football team sometimes. And that's that's a really sad sad state of affairs to be in. No one wants that.
2: Yeah, I just think it's got to the time, Stuart, hasn't it? Where the league will have to do something. They'll have to get it in. Yeah. the sort of black black and white, you know, when they when they do the debrief at the, at the end of the season, they look at what's gone right and what's gone wrong. You know, this should be for me should be. You know, uh, amongst the the topics uh, on the on the agenda, I mean, you could don't get me wrong, you could have cases where you know a game is is it could be called off at at half past ten, say, or ten o'clock because of a fair travelling time with the away team going there. Things could could improve and the pitch could be could be playable by by lunchtime. But uh, you, you know, I, I think that's that's sort of tough in tough in many respects. I think the fans. Mm even if it, it is postponed, you know, the disappointment, they'll understand the decision in why it's done.
1: Because, you know, if it yeah, did... Yeah, well, they, they'd rather it, that than schlep all the way up and it'd be called yeah. off, yes. and
2: so, yeah. So, you yeah, know, totally that's right. a price, I think that's a price probably worth worth paying in, in, in that regard, and there probably won't be too many of them uh, anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing to see the, the sort of frequency of this sort of thing happening, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, very... And finally for this week, we will ask Leon for his Team of the Week before turning to Stuart for his Standout Player of the Week. So, Leon, which team has caught your eye this week?
2: Well, we'll have some better news for Barnes. I'll actually say say Barnes, and we've been talking about him for the last five minutes or so, and, um, you know, unfortunate headlines. But, yeah, they did manage to get back on the field against against Oxford on, on Tuesday. A fair bit's been made this season about Barnsley, the record against sides in the in the top six not being very good. And, yeah, they did what they, they had to do by, this, by the sound of it, a rotten night weather-wise. And, um, yeah, there were sort of in, some in-game incidents they were having to contend with, uh, with as well. I think they lost um, Adam Phillips at, at half-time. Herbie came, big player for Barnsley, went off as well later. Luke O'Connell was... Um, was poorly and didn't feature, so they had a few things to contend with, with the weather and you know players coming off and some not being available, and they they rolled up the sleeves. It didn't sound like it was a classic contest, but did what they had to do. I think the ten unbeaten now, and um, you know we spoke last last week about uh, Neil Collins getting a bit of stick, at warranted it in, in mine and Stewart's eyes at the end of uh, at the end of the autumn they had a difficult november with the fa cup um being kicked out of that and this that and the other you know they've, sh- they've shown a strong jaw ju- 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 and a good mentality and they're, they're it around and you know you look at the top of that table it looks anything's possible it's uh there's the six sides at the top who aren't separated by by very much and uh yeah opportunity knocks for uh, for, uh, for barnsley you know it would it would be nice. You know, think about it. Maybe add a couple more to to what they've got before the end of the window. But we'll have to see, have to see about that. But yeah, they they're going strong. They're finding a way. Um, didn't play particularly well against Carlisle as well, by all accounts, But uh, yeah. got a win, and that's what you, that's what you've got to do at this this time time of year.
1: And uh, yeah, courage and signs for Barnsley. Africa. Absolutely, just quietly getting on with their business, aren't they? Which is yeah. good to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Stuart, uh, which player has stood out for you this week?
1: Um, well, I'm leaning towards Leeds United this week purely because um, most of their players have played twice as much as um, <laughs> as, as most of the other Yorkshire That's teams' Middlesbrough, accepted. and uh, and and the fact that they they won both those games as well. I mean, Archie Gray was excellent against Norwich. Um, I was really really impressed with the the way he played, both going forward and and defensively. Made a really big uh, tackle towards the end. Joe Rodon is just Joe Rodon, really. I think you know, in any given week, you you pretty much know what you're going to get with him. Yeah, he's a, you know the sort of centre back that every successful team needs that isn't isn't flash, but you can just just rely on him all the time. Junior Firpo's having a having a bit of a Renaissance. Now he's uh, he's finally fit. You know we know he's not the most. We know he's got limitations. Let's put it that way as a left back. But you know as I've said with regards to other other clubs and other people, it's about making the most of what you can do and not worried so much uh, about what you can't. You know, for him I think wasn't there in the in the Preston game and, and and generally in in good shape. But I'd probably go for go for Dan James as as Leon mentioned. You know, a big deal for him personally. I think to get into into double figures. I can't think of a, a season of his career where i felt so confident about his, his finishing in terms of the the calmness he's showing in front of goal. And a, a really good cross for Patrick Bamford's goal against uh, against Norwich City. Picked up an injury, which means uh, he's going to miss the FA Cup tie against Plymouth. But it does sound like a bit of a FA Cup injury and one where he'll be back once the... Uh, once the league program gets up and running, so Leeds fans will certainly be hoping that's the case. Because as I mentioned, with him in keeping Nonto out of the side, you know he's, he's having a really, really strong season. Leeds are so good on the counter attack, and he's such a a big reason for it. And and he's just become a really, a really big, really confident, really reliable member of that team. So I I'll go for Dan James.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good choice Stuart. I mean, you look at Leeds, they're probably. Pushing it to think that the might of a player will get say 25
1: goals at the end of the season, but this should happen to you. will get into double figures. YorkshirePost.co.uk
0: Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobschel, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene, but don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at nationalworld.com, or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with a subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves, and bye for now.